Now, we are um, in the second week of our series entitled, When God Doesn't. Um, it's really a look into the book, that hugely long, all of three chapters um, book of Habakkuk. And if you weren't here last week, uh, we talked about Habakkuk is in the Old Testament, it's in the OT. Um, it is, it's a very short uh, prophetic book. It's, he's considered one of the minor prophets, um, the majors being Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, those guys. He's one of the minor guys, uh, prophets. He was a priest um, in the temple. He, he worked in the temple and, and carried on services and kind of um, led people to God. Um, you could say he was like an, a pastor type person, but it was, they performed different roles. Um, and, and he falls in love with God. He lives at a time when um, they had just discovered the, the writings of Moses and, and the creation story and, and the story of them becoming um, sons and daughters rather than slaves, the story of Exodus. And, and so he's, he's learning all this stuff and he falls just deeply in love with God. Um, but the people aren't. They say they are, but they're just going through the motions really and, and they're not really into God the way that, that he really wants. And so he cries out to God because it's just become this detestable pool of, of stuff that's allowed and, and even the leaders are turning their back. And he's like, justice is nowhere here. And he cries out to God. And if you remember last week, we, it was entitled, Don't You Turn Your Back on Me. And, and it's, it's this experience that Habakkuk has that, that many of us do when we, when we find ourselves in this place of hurt and heartache and, and loss. And, and we feel like God's just nowhere there. He's nowhere near us. And we're just like, God, don't, don't turn your back on me. And I gave you permission last week to yell at God. Because, because we need that permission, because it's seen in scripture. His sons and daughters, the, the, fa- the founders, the fathers and mothers of our faith who time to time just come to God and like, WTF, God? They text it though, it was chiseled it on rock and then send it to him, right? And so there, there are, these, there are these, these moments that we have this, like, this expulsion of emotion to God and that's okay. And so Habakkuk finds himself at this place and he's, and he's yelling at God and he's like, where are you? Why won't you intervene? And God goes, okay. Chapter one, verse five is where I am of Habakkuk. The Lord replied. So Habakkuk gets what he wants. God responds. Look around at the nations and be amazed for I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people that will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. On they come all bent on violence, their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against the walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone, but they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Habakkuk cries out to God, where are you? Why have you turned your back on us? Intervene. And God goes, okay. Okay. You want me to intervene? I'll intervene. Here's what I'm gonna do for you. 
I'm going to raise up arguably one of the worst nations that has ever existed on the face of the earth. I, I'm going to call, and, and many, some translations will say the Chaldeans, and they're synonymous with one another. Babylonians, just easier to say for me. Um, and so, so the Chaldeans and, and the Babylonians were this, this empire that was notorious for their brutality and for their strength. They believed that they were the judge of everything and they judged by power and might. When they would conquer, and, and at this time, shortly after this time, they at one time had most of the known world under their control and they did so through vast brutality and torture. When they would sweep into a land, and these pictures that God uses are just beautiful illustrations when you know the history of what they did. They were like locusts that would just sweep in and lay waste to everything in their path, human and vegetable and animal alike. They would consume and destroy for their own selves and pleasure. They would come in and just torture. They were this vastly violent group. It says that they scoff at kings and princes. Jeremiah mentions these people in, in multiple times and throughout their different conquering times. But there's a time when King Zedekiah of, of Jerusalem, of Judah, uh, the southern um, uh, kingdom, when, when he is, they're, they, they're captured and, and they sit him at the city gate. You may remember this story. It's a, it's a horrendous story. They sit him at this, this king. They put him at this gate and they bring all of his sons in front of him. And one by one, they torture and kill his sons right in his eyesight. And as soon as they kill the last one, they take out his eyes. So that the last image that is burned in his mind are his sons being brutally murdered. And then they put him in chains and take him away to a foreign land. This is the kind of people they were. And so Habakkuk cries out, God, where are you? Move in mighty ways. And God says, okay. And Habakkuk goes, wait, what? Right, no, no, wait, no, 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 that's, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean, no, whoa, wait, maybe just softer, come in a little lighter. Maybe just a little, little course correction, right? Because right, right after this, Habakkuk comes back at God. He's like, what, what are you doing? What do you mean you're gonna raise the Babylonians up to come in and sweep across us like the wind and take everything down? You know who they are. You're too pure of a person to allow this kind of evil to exist. Like, I know that we're sinners, God, but we're not that bad, right? I mean, they're a whole lot worse than us because there was precedent in the story of God for God using a nation to course correct Israel and to come in and, and, and to bring in some discipline, but not the Babylonians. And Habakkuk is crying out, no, 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 no. But see, I, no, I, I expected something different. Have you ever, you know what expectations are, right? They're, they're preconceived moments of resentment and disappointment, right? I mean, that's, those of you who are married know what I'm talking about, right? Those of you who are parents know what I'm talking about. Those of you who have a heartbeat know what I, expectations. When you have these expectations for something, you're just setting yourself up to be disappointed because what we expect is rarely what we ever get. Jen and I have been married for 20 years in August and she can attest to this. You can give a hallelujah, brother. She has expected a lot out of me that I have failed to deliver time and time again. 
right? I, I mean, that is just, that goes with relationships. It goes with all these things that you, you have these expectations and you're like, well, this is what I expect, but, but this is what I get. And that is just really not what I wanted. And Habakkuk is speaking to God here and he's like, look, this is what I expect. I have read the story of Moses, the creation story, the Exodus story. I saw how you've been training us to be free with all of these laws and, and all this worship practice, all these things. I expect you to operate this way, God. And God says, um, but I'm God. You're not. Have you ever expected God to do something for you? Have you ever like gone through like something and you're like, you know, I, I, God, I, I've been doing all these different things and so I expect that this is going to happen. And God's like, oh, okay. Have you ever, like, I, I don't know, I, I sometimes I'll, I, I will expect things. Like this is what I expect the outcome will be because A plus, plus B equals F? Wait a minute, that's not right. You know, and, and you go through the, have you ever bar, bartered with God or bargained with him? I'm the only one who's done this, liars. All right, God, if I just do this, if I just fast for 21 days, you're gonna give me something. You know, you, you go through these things and you're like, okay, God, if you're gonna operate this way, this operate this way, because this is how it all works. I've read the story and I know that this is how you move in all these different circumstances and situations. And God's like, no, I don't. No, I don't. Because you don't know the whole story. See, we live in a very short, finite period of time. And we have just a very short period of the story of God that we contend with and that we live with. And God's like, I'm an author of a much bigger story than just you. And there are things that happen that you don't understand because quite honestly, you can't and you don't need to because it's not your burden to carry, it's mine. It's not your responsibility to know all the way these, all these things are gonna play out because I've got that. I will handle those things. And so Habakkuk turns to God and he's like, I, I want your help. And God says, here's my help. And he says, no longer do I want your help. But he moves through it. Have you ever been in a place where, where like you're just hurting and, you're, and you're, you're asking God to move and then God does something and something happens and you're like, this is, what? Jenna and I prayed that, our first child will be used by God. Would, I mean, our, I think our words were that, that our first child would bring glory to God. Thanks, God. Because she certainly does. She, she, ta she has taught more people, she has taught me more about who God is and who Jesus is and who I am in his eyes than anything else I've ever heard or read or said. She has changed the kingdom of God more than I have in my almost 20 years of ministry. She brings glory to God, but not the way that I wanted. Have you ever been there? You like think that this is the way that I need to go, this is the way, God, I want you to move in this way, and God goes, but that's not the way. And I know a bigger story than you know. Remember John the Baptist, JTB, as I like to call him? So, so JTB was with Jesus the entire time, right? He's the first one, he jumps in his mother's womb when, when Mary walks into the room and, and like there's this connection. One, they're related, but two, he's the guy, right? John the Baptist is the one who goes out into the wilderness and, and he prepares the way for the Messiah's coming. 
It, it, is, it is through the baptism of Jesus at that moment that you see the Trinity descend. Jesus comes out of the water. A dove, the Holy Spirit, descends upon Jesus and God says, this is my son. That moment, and John's like, man, he's, I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. I must become less, he must become more. He points to him, points to him, points to him. He's the guy. From that moment, Jesus begins his ministry. But do you know what happens at the end of John's life? He's crying out to God and he's like, whoa. But are you? See, John finds himself in this political battle eventually later in his life. A couple, maybe a year or so after he baptizes Jesus. He gets sideways with um, the, the Herod of the moment because the, the Herod of the moment killed his brother so that he could marry his brother's wife. Now, it's really kind of frowned upon in, in, in most every society, right? And it was there too. And so John the Baptist calls him out on it. He's like, man, this is wrong. You're living, you're living in sin. You're going against the wishes of God. And, and Herod wants to get quiet him. And so he throws him in prison and he wants to kill him and get rid of his voice, but he can't because JTB is too popular because people call him JTB. When you, when you reach that status, you're a pretty big deal, right? And, and he can, and he's worried about it because he's, such a, he's a prophet that people listen to and, and he's got a movement that he's worried about. If he does this, it will upset peace and, and then Rome will come in and he'll lose his power and all these things. But his wife, his former brother, sister-in-law, you know, if you're following the whiteboard story here, she doesn't like this and she wants to shut him up. And so she sends her daughter in to dance for her new stepdad. And she does a dance, not a nice dance, but it really makes him happy. And he says, anything you want, I give you my oath is yours. And she says, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. And he can't go against it because he's given his oath in front of his royal court. And, and so he's going to carry these acts out. And it's right before this that John the Baptist gathers his disciples together and he's like, look, go ask, go find Jesus and ask him if he really is the one. This is John the Baptist who was with Jesus from the beginning. This is John the Baptist who, who was the one who baptized Jesus, saw the Trinity together the first time. He hears God's voice say, this is my son. And at the end of his life, he goes, well, but, but it's not what I was expecting. See, because for, for centuries, the people had expected the Messiah to come in and to end oppression. They, they expected this, this military leader to come and to rally the Jews, to kick the Romans out and to take their rightful place at the first of God's line. They expected this, this leader who would be boisterous and would come in like, like General Maccabee of the Maccabean Wars, who would come in in this victorious thing. I kicked the Greeks out of here and we are free of oppression. And arguably at the time that John is in prison, things have gotten worse for the Jews. Like oppression was more and more. John is literally in prison about to be beheaded. This does not feel like the end of oppression from John's perspective, right? It's the end of oppression, but not the way he wanted it. And so if you look at this stuff, it's like all of this, John's sitting there going, but, but see, I thought that you were bringing the kingdom of God with you. I thought you were bringing this kingdom that would end our suffering and end our pain and end our hurt and end our oppression. Are you really him? 
Because this doesn't feel or look like what I expected. And what does Jesus, how does Jesus answer him? Do you remember? He doesn't say no. He doesn't say yes. Tell him what you see. The blind see. The lame walk. People are healed. I'm not going to tell you who I, tell him what you see. So, and, and then he finishes, at verse 6, this is Matthew 11, verse 6. He says, blessed are anyone who's not turned away because of me. Some translations will say because they're not offended by me. See, Jesus is laying down some knowledge right there. He's dropping some hardcore truth on John. I know what you expected, but that's not what the kingdom of God looks like. We don't end oppression through violence. We end it through sacrifice. I know what you expected, but you don't see the greater story. You don't see the grander story that God is writing through your life, John, through my life. See, a lot of times when we're lost in those dark moments, we don't see the grander story. We see our little small part in it. And, and yes, we get focused on that because that's what we do. We're humans. We look inwardly a lot of times. But, but if you truly trust and love God, you say, I mean, I don't know what you're doing. And thank goodness I'm not the one who's writing the story. I'm just one of your pens. Thank goodness I don't have to make the calls that you make. Thank goodness I don't have to walk down the path that you walked. And so, yeah, I expect one day that there will be a place where there is no more hurt or suffering, no more pain, no more hunger, no more thirst, no more oppression, but I'm not the one who ushers it in. And I'm not the one who gets to determine what's written. Yeah, I'm a part of it. I'm a piece of it. But if you wanna bring glory to your name through my anguish and my hurt, who am I to say no? If you want to bring freedom to the people of Israel and turn them back into the loving people that they are through the destruction of the Babylonians, then who are we to stand in the way? Isaiah says it's this, because my ways are higher than your ways. My knowledge is greater than your knowledge. So we, we need to be people who, who can come to a place where, yeah, we're shouting at God, don't you turn your back on me, but then, but then we let go of expectations. Let go of where you think or what you think or how you think God needs to move because here's a little relief and you should take a deep breath about this one. You're not God. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny Kern. Neither is your husband, so don't let him tell you that. We're not, we're not. But isn't it great that we have a God who loves us so much, who is willing to give his life for us? Isn't it so great that, that we have a God, even in the darkest moments, he didn't take himself out of those dark moments? He could have. He could have said, look, this is how we're gonna operate. This is how I'm going to bring the kingdom of God. I'm gonna do it through, I'm God, I can do whatever I want. But he sent his son. 
He took on humanity. He gave up his godship so that he could experience hurt and pain, so that he could go to the garden and in the point of death be in such agony that he's crying out to God, remove this cup from me. But not what I expect, what you will. Wouldn't it be great if we, if we could get to the place where we just let all of that go? I don't know what's going to happen from here on out in my story or in yours. I don't know what to expect from God. What I expect is for God to operate in the way that God always operates, for the glory of his name and for the goodness of the kingdom of God. And when I can come to a place where I'm okay with that, whatever it looks like, God, I hurt, but if it's for your name, I'm in. God, I'm sad and I'm lost, but if it's bringing you glory, I believe that one day you will relieve this from me. God, I'm confused. And I don't know what tomorrow brings. But I trust that you died and that you conquered death and that you gave me that same power. And so one day, one day, I will experience that glory. I trust in the authorship of the story that you started and that you will finish. Let us pray. Father, Father, we thank you and praise you so much for the way that you move in our life, God. I, I thank you so much that you are a good God a God who loves and cares so much that he was willing to give himself for us. And yeah, everything that happens isn't always the way that we expect it to happen, but God, let us let those expectations go and hold on to the truth that you are God, that you are good, that you are loving, and that you want more and better for us than we do for ourselves. Help us to step aside from our myopic just vision of just our little part of the story and to embrace the larger story. Help us, Father, to let go of those expectations and to trust in you. I don't know where you are with your face right now. Just, you can keep your heads bowed. I'm still praying, just talking. I don't know where you are in, in, in your life and in your circumstances and in the expectations you have of your life or of God. But I know some of you are hurting right now. I know some of you have been delivered news that is continually shocking you. I know some of you have experienced things that, that hurt and you, and you can't see the light because the darkness is so great. And you're crying out to God and, and you're, you're throwing dishes, you're in the room and you're not leaving that relationship, but he's not moving in the ways that you want or expect. I pray right now that you would just let those expectations go. That you would just let, just let it go and trust in the goodness, in the power, in the love of God. Give your life to him. I, I've given you so much, I'm gonna give it all now. I wanna enter in fully into a life that says, I surrender all, all expectations, all hopes, all desires, whatever it is, because I want what you want for me. And what you want for me is greater than what I ever could want for myself. 
And so if you need to, if you need to come into that relationship today for the first time, we're, I just wanna say a prayer and just repeat it in your hearts and your minds. You say, God, I give you everything. I, I give you my life. I give you my expectations. I give you my hopes. I give you my dreams. I give you my fears. I give it all to you. I thank you for Jesus who knew my pain, who suffered and died, but conquered death and restored hope in life so that I may have hope in life too. I thank you for that gift. And, and I begin my journey with you today. If, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, if you would put it on that connection card that's in front of you and put it in the offertory plate as it comes by. We're not gonna harass you. We just wanna walk with you. I'm not gonna call you. I'm not gonna show up on your door. I'm not sending Debbie Chesney to your front office. We just wanna send you something that says, this is the next step. This is where you go from here because this is a first step. And it's a first step many of us have taken and some of us have walked away from it and some of us are just coming back and whatever it is, but there's another step to take. So we just wanna be in contact with you in that. If you, if you said that prayer again, you're like, man, I said it a long time ago, but I'm reigniting stuff today. There's a step for you too. And we wanna know about that. And we wanna encourage you on this because let me tell you, living life is scary. Holding on to the expectations of the world hurts. But embracing the truth and trust in Jesus Christ gives life. And if you don't believe me, let me, let me get coffee with you one day and tell you my story and tell you my walk and you'll leave change, not because of anything that I say or because of how God has changed me, has reached into dark places in my life and brought me out. Father, I thank you for everyone who prayed that prayer today and I pray your blessing upon them. May you give them hope and strength and life that they may feel the promises you have for them. The church said, amen. Would you please stand? I want to worship one more time. And if you have that connection card, drop it in the offertory plate as it comes by. The ushers are coming up. And if you're a guest here, a visitor, this isn't for you. This is for our people that, that so faithfully give. And we're so blessed by your generosity. We are just amazed by how you faithfully worship God. And this is all giving and offerings are. It's a worship experience. Father, we pray that you would receive this offertory. And that as you do so, you would magnify it so that others may be set free. In Jesus' name, amen.